0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another podcast. And I'm really excited here that this is a special guest, a special friend. I've known him since maybe 2007 or 2006. Hi, Kevin. Hello. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Kevin. Welcome to the podcast interview session.
1: Many of us. Please just kick away. Yeah. Many,
0: yeah, many of us are looking forward to the discussion. This podcast has a number of listeners in Malaysia and other countries. Based on a previous Clubhouse discussion with some fresh and not so fresh architecture graduates, we identified two main points that I thought you would be an ideal person to speak on. Number one, liberal arts education and the importance of it for architects. Number two, learning relationships, mentoring, peer relationships, and networking. Let's start with the first on liberal arts education. I believe you may have liberal arts education yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. I went to um, the University of Oregon in the United States and on the in a lot of the universities on the west coast and and the and the east coast, they they focus on what is called a, um, a liberal arts education, which um, in which um, which prioritizes diverse knowledge, and and in order to effect that um, uh, the 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 uh, dissemination and the learning of, of different uh, kinds of knowledge, they require any um um. Uh, uh, an entrant, undergraduate to enroll in coursework that has absolutely nothing to do with uh, the coursework in their chosen selected field of study. So if you're in uh, architecture school, you will, you can take coursework, which are called free electives. You can take those free electives in, in, in mathematics or science or biology or philosophy or literature or history or, or political science, anything that, that has nothing to do with architecture. And um, in order to graduate, a certain number of uh, free elective credits are required. And the whole objective of this is, uh, is basically, it, it recognizes that the greatest greatest advancements in any one field usually come from outside of it. So, just as an example, in in, in Steve Steve Jobs's example, his greatest com- contribution to the world of uh, uh, the computing and and, um, and 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 is uh, is uh, typography. He was the first one to bring typography into the, the apples at the time, which made, um, um, made font more human and accessible to the majority of people and gave a warmth to it. Um, he was not an engineer by any means. He merely had an idea of how to create a better sort of interface between the user and the, and the otherwise uh, um, machine-like computer. Yeah. So, and, and if you were to take a coursework and say if you were studying to be a political scientist, You'd have to take coursework then in architecture and other fields that have nothing to do with political science. Um, interestingly enough, you see, because everything's related, everything will always have something to do with something else. But we don't realize that because when we uh, involve uh, the problem with education in the world these days, even in colleges of liberal arts, which, which uh, uh, espouse the liberal arts sort of uh, um, um, uh, academic process, they are still very much uh, divided and, and, and focused on viewpoints rather than. The relationships between them, and the beauty of the liberal arts education is that it acknowledges first and foremost relationships, multiple relationships, rather than focused viewpoint or mere opinions. Yeah, and then that's a, it. It's not very often discussed because I think a lot of proponents of liberal arts education don't even realize this. Perhaps in the in the very highest uh, echelons of uh, academia, would you high, find this being discussed of the um, of the default uh, uh, effects? You know the 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 diverse effects of what the liberal arts does, um, and mind you, this is a at college. In the United States, in in high school, it is not as uh, perhaps um, as as uh, directed, but but as in as in you know secondary school and high schools everywhere else around the world, it's still a diverse lot of of, of knowledge of uh, fields that you're learning from, be it literature, history, geography, it's still very diverse, and uh, and in the hope that you know you would find your focus. But but we rarely understand that, that diversity is not in order for you to find focus, but more in order for you to be well-rounded as an individual, to understand that things can be related so that when you go to college, you carry that with you. But unfortunately, because education globally, at the beginning, even from kindergarten, is so focused on, 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 um, on your finding, your individual focus, your reputation, we forget that, That focus is about reputation, and relationships are about responsibility. And this is one of the biggest uh, um, um, areas of of critical discourse that has yet to be engaged, uh, even in the first and developed world. Never mind uh, the sad state we have in Malaysia, yeah, (laughs) and and other parts of, of Asia. It doesn't matter how high your college or university is ranked, it still follows the same kind of ignorant, dominant paradigm, yeah?
0: How is this relating to problem-solving and critical thinking skills for architects, liberal arts?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, problem-solving is not about finding solutions. It's about understanding relationships. And that's the most vital thing, that when we think of problem-solving as looking for a solution, we immediately fall into the narrow-minded area of focus, which is a solution. But you can't have a relevant solution if you first don't understand all the related issues having to deal with that problem that you're trying to solve. And this is one of the biggest problems in the world right now, <laughs> We're talking about problem solving. It's one of the biggest uh, bottlenecks in the world right now. We believe problem solving is about solving the bloody problem, and it's not. First and foremost, it's about understanding the multiple viewpoints the problem encompasses in order to understand the different relationships between those viewpoints, And only with the understanding of those multiple complex relationships, often complex relationships, uh, understanding that network, are we then able to um, um, direct our efforts at discovering and uncovering the most relevant solution, of course, related to those relationships. And then when we focus on on solutions, we end up with, with the kind of architecture we have globally today, which is all about building private reputation, rather than forging better relationships between community and individual, uh, society and individual, as well as, uh, well, if you don't mind my saying I know I'm not an expert in the field, but projects like the CERN, the Super Hadron Collider in, that straddles three countries, three, four countries in Europe, it's all directed at, at, at uncovering the smallest particle known to nature, right? The Higgs boson, which they believe they've discovered, but they don't really have a clue. They think it's going to solve all the problems of the universe, but it's just one element. It's not about a relationship. (laughs) So I I think this is a a discussion that could even involve quantum physics, but we don't realize that everything in in life, everything that we live through, everything that that our field, our fields, everything within the field of commerce, banking, economics, architecture, science, biology, viral control, it's all about relationships and not about about focused uh, uh, elements or, or objects or solutions or isolated problems, you know. <laughs> I, it's, it's a very, very complex understanding of, of, of life that I think we have yet to um, come together on as, uh, as a species in terms this, of understanding.
0: Is this, uh, forgive me, I'm, I, I'm, the way I think about this, is, is this like system thinking rather than piecemeal thinking?
1: Is it um no, I, no system thinking is has is, 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 is been wrongly interpreted and or maybe even wrongly formulated right okay, okay. systems thinking is uh, is geared towards uh, like a production line you follow uh-huh. these steps you end up with a perfect Toyota but life is not a manufacturing process it's a critical process like a way a tree grows one change of a degree in temperature average temperature through the year and a tree might not survive. Too much water, if we will die, we'll get over water. You see, trees, like architecture, are specific, very critical processes of expertise. And, and, and the smallest change in context can change the outcome. It's not a manufacturing process designed to eliminate accident. It's a process that is completely filled with countless number of accidents of, 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 uh, of change. Yeah. And I think expertise yeah. is about engaging change within a general structure which can guide the best outcomes and I'm systemize. A system, a word. system thinking is not about about a structure which embraces accidents and change. It's about eliminating them.
0: Yeah, I, I'm thinking. Of, I, I didn't think about system thinking um, in terms of production line. I was trying to find a word to rather than look at things separately, look at things holistically.
1: Maybe you know yeah. word. But systems thinking doesn't do that because it's isolated. You, in order to understand a system it is generally a closed system because an open system is subject to too much, so much variability, it's not possible to predict the outcome, you see? So mm. I, I rather the word open system thinking. Open system. But open systems thinking is 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 very, very uh, vague and, and very ambiguous and, and, and subject to a lot of misinterpretation itself because it is too much to understand about it, you see? Okay. That's why it's open. And there are thinkers who have already conducted a lot of uh, research and and understanding of open systems, but it still remains a very vague. It's very unscientific in a way, because it it, it tries to forge so many different relationships with so much uh, of diversity and variability, and it invariably ends up being um, being um, quite inexact. So the structure. That governs open systems, I think, is what uh, the the, uh, the 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 strongest, the most intelligent minds in the world are uh, uh, focused on and un- uncovering. That use structure, which helps guide their thinking and understanding of open systems. Now, the problem is this: that open systems are more most evident, and and you find them in greatest uh, um, uh, numbers uh, in in nature, in in the in, in the variability of life itself. Very few open systems are actually manufactured or or invented by human beings because they they're too complex for us to actually formulate. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. But
1: look at it this way: the best of design, the best minds in design, the best architecture in the world are, are, are invariably the product of of open system thinking, without maybe the architects realizing it. Yeah.
0: Mm, okay.
1: Um, Einstein himself, uh, in in his uncovery of uh, the 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 theory of uh, relativity. Um, was himself the product of of an open of an open mind of an open system of thinking. Yeah, the greatest advancements. I, I, I suspect also perhaps um, Stephen Hawking and and some Galileo. Yeah, perhaps um, uh, not Aristotle, perhaps Plato more than Aristotle. Yeah, some great um, uh, Muslim minds thinkers. There's some amazing philosophers and teachers. I'm so sorry, I'm not familiar enough to remember all the names. No, it's okay. Uh, yeah, but Ibn, Ibn, uh, Ibn it, it Mubarak. M- m- it helps us. It
0: helps us go into this. Yeah, yeah. there's
1: a lot in of... Kwan, a Chinese philosopher. They, they've existed in at different points in history. Uh, Naomi Chomsky is an amazing mind oh, for, yeah. for thinking. So is uh, Naomi Klein, who is a Canadian, Jewish-Canadian author who writes very critically about the world of branding, the world of false uh, advertising, uh, disaster capital. What's the name, What's the name again? Naomi Klein, N N N A O M I K L E I N. She's a brilliant thinker. She's wow, written a book okay. called Fences. She wrote a book called No Fences. Another book called uh, 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 the, the Shock Doctrine, which is about disaster capitalism: how businessmen and creatives make the most money uh, during a time of human disaster. It happened in Sri Lanka when hotels took over a lot of beachfront property after the tsunami hit. You okay, know? Yeah. It happens during times of war. It happens during, uh, uh, yeah, during our pandemic. A lot of rich businessmen have made tons of money with it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Malaysia, perfect example, bringing in the vaccine, billions have been made, <laughs> which you will never know about because of the. And and another another uh, very interesting story is this uh, um, critical French journalist by the name of Florence de, de Chongi, who has written a, a book. I, I'm not sure how I pronounced her last name. I, I forgive me if I mispronounced it but she's written a book having to do with the disappearance of flight MH370 recently. It began, I think, as a critical piece of journalism, but it became, but developed into a, became a book because there's so much in it that it was impossible for a mere article to, to put it all in. And then her theories are profound and they are a lot more than just theories. They are founded on on, on geopolitics, on the dirty business of governmental economics and this, uh, this horrific cold war that's existing between China and the United States right now, of which Malaysia was a very willing pawn when Najib was still the Prime Minister.
0: Okay. And it's, um, a, Kevin. A, a,
1: you know, it's the biggest cover-up in, in the in the history of the planet.
0: All right. This podcast
1: is <laughs> going podcast. to the disappearance I'm be like a podcast.
0: <laughs> anyway, Kevin. Uh, Before we go into the next one on learning relationships, um, mentoring, peer relationships, is there any conclusion to the liberal arts education that you'd like to do in in a couple of minutes, some concluding points, or you'd like to go into the next points?
1: Well, you know, the liberal arts education is open to everyone in the the, the universities that that, um, that espouses and supports it. But really, it's up to each individual to engage it or not. Some individuals will do the free electives very reluctantly because they want to focus on the field of study. Reputation is more important to them than, than a global understanding of how their field of study fits into the world. And so it, it's, it's available to, uh, in fact, the internet makes it available to everyone and anyone, regardless of what university you're attending. It's just a matter of whether you're as passionate and, and as a, a, an eager a student as you can possibly be. Because that's where the only benefit of a liberal arts education can be felt. if we each individually decide to engage in. yeah, And that's really all I, I need to say about it. you know that's Learning important. is a, a much more uh, um, individual process than it is one that is taught. <laughs> Teachers yeah. are important, but not as important as the will of the students. If you're a not uh, if you're a lazy student or you're a student who is not intent on learning, uh, you will you will waste the the uh, 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 education in a university that that prioritizes liberal arts above all else. Yeah,
0: it's a whole and idea. If
1: and, and if you're a, an intelligent student in one of the worst universities in the world, you will still be able to have access to liberal arts education if you choose to. It's all about understanding that diversity will feed your specificity.
0: It's important. Then the students need mentoring. You know, learning relationships to. To to
1: uh, foster their, you know wanting you're absolutely to be- right, Nazia, you're absolutely right, and that's why that's why the, that's the reason why influential leaders are so important in the world, and not famous uh, influences. You you will not look at, at, at Kendall Jenner or, or or Taylor Swift or Justin Bieber as being positive influences in, in in your critical life of critical thinking, and and so the trouble is a lot of. Um, People out there, people like Jack Ma, people like Stephen Jobs, local people uh, that that, that, uh, purport purport to be about social change, that pretend to be social activists, that pretend to be educators, are really leading uh, um, um, the young, our young, in a a very viral and and, um, very ignorantly internet-focused way that's all about building brand, building uh, reputation, and losing all sight of what's important. They use catchphrases like, community betterment and social good and all those things that mean nothing in relation to what they actually do because they look at things as general things general successes as solutions that the first world has uh, 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 vomited on us and they've merely cut and pasted into our contexts things like bicycle sharing and and blue lanes and and and, uh, and uh, community gardens and farms that really don't mean anything in relation to the specific communities that we cut and paste them into, you know? So cut and paste doesn't work in relation to global solutions. A global solution is exactly that, one that addresses an unspecific global problem. But problems, above all, are incredibly specific to each and every society, culture, and sub-society and community they are found in. And if you're not looking at the specific problems of each community and each neighbourhood, and merely instigate a global solution in that and give it a global name, which already found has found acceptance among amongst the 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 internet literate, then you are doing that community a a terrible injustice.
0: You know, Kevin, this is important for us to uh, to to come to this this uh, about five or ten minutes of this. Mm -hmm. Why is context specificity or finding out the specific problem an important approach, in fact, a most vital approach in architecture education or in the studio. Okay,
1: Let me, uh, not, not just in studio and architectural education, it's, it's absolutely vital in a profession. And the reason why the world in the state is in is because we don't give a crap what happens once we graduate, you see. And, and let me explain from the viewpoint of, of um, in a way, relevantly, viruses, yeah? Okay. Look at this corona because COVID-19 virus in comparison to ebola now ebola is a kind of virus that is incredibly deadly but it is a very stupid virus why because it is intent on making a killing yeah but the moment it infects you you are dead within 24 hours maximum 48 hours because its objective is to make a killing and to kill as many people in a short a time as possible so it's stupid because in order to make that killing the symptoms are felt very immediately they can be identified and detected by everyone else around it, and it can be isolated. So even though Ebola killed 99% of the people infected, it was contained very quickly, and its damage was quite limited. Yeah? So that's an example of a deadly but very stupid virus, which, is, which the whole intent is in making a killing. It's the way most architects in the world behave. Okay. They want to make a killing in relation to their reputation, in relation to money, in relation to what they call fame. Now, look at the COVID-19. It is a, it is, it is a, and from the viewpoint of kill, outright killing people, it's actually very, very mild. It kills just marginally a few more people than the common influenza virus, yeah? But look at what it does. It stays quiet for two weeks. In many cases, you don't even detect it, even though the individual is infected, And in the two weeks that it's the infected infected individual runs around, that individual infects thousands more, or hundreds more, whatever, bringing down more people with the virus. You see, the COVID-19 is unique and incredibly intelligent because for each and every human being it infects, even if it is the same strain of that virus, and mind you, it has mutated so much already. That, that that I think believe the medical field has already identified more than ten different strains of COVID-19. Some some strains are, are more uh, uh, infectious. Some strains are more deadly, even though not deadly in relation to Ebola. Some strains are very mild, like what we have in Malaysia. Yeah, but it's in, 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 never mind the fact that even if it's the same strain, if it infects you in Malaysia, living a few kilometers away from me that same strain might infect me in a completely different way depending on each of our individual uh, uh, physiologies and each of our individual healths. Even if we are healthy, we've got certain differences that our our biology uh, uh, expresses in each one of us, and it will change the way it behaves depending on the specificity of the biology. It's an incredibly intelligent virus. For some individuals, it will bring you down with a terrible fever, aches in your joints, you will be hard of breathing, you might have to be hospitalized, you might even die. Others, you'll have exactly the same systems, but you will not die, it will not kill you. For others, you will not even feel that you have came down with anything at all, maybe a light, uh, light flush, and after two weeks, you're done. You never even visited a hospital, you were never in bed, and in the meantime, you infected a whole lot of other people, some of which might actually die. And in doing so, it is, its intent is to bring down as many people as possible, to infect as many people as possible, to let its effects and its influence be known. And in doing so, enough people might end up in a hospital to flood the health system such that other people who are not even infected with this virus might die because of the lack of facilities. Now, can you imagine if architects began and students and teachers began to think with such specificity in relation to context? Instead of each human being being a a specific context, each environment, each site we we infect, (laughs) and in that case it's not a dirty infection, it's actually a good one, is treated with that same regard, is treated with that same attention to detail, the same attention to physiology, the same attention to biology. How amazing would we be, how effective we'd be if we took a page out of the book of the COVID-19 and started behaving intelligently, not to make a killing but to make our influence truly be be felt. And that's what Corona did. That's what exactly what Corona 19 has done. It has brought down the entire viral tourism industry in in the world. It has lowered carbon emissions by more than 70% (laughs) Uh, in in, in, in the beginning, maybe not anymore. I mean, we're driving our filthy Malaysian cars again, aren't we? And, um, it has virtually brought a lot of how we behave to a standstill, and and to me, the way human behave uh, human behavior has has evolved is is inherently negative, and COVID has uh, has um, brought some balance to our negative behavior behavioral patterns, yeah. And I would like to be able to think that architecture can do the same, that we can do the same with architecture that has developed in a very negative way, a, a very um, a very self-seeking a, a, a way that is predicated on on our on our on building and and protecting our reputations rather than proliferating and, and influencing a better understanding of responsibility so that our young have better examples to follow
0: this relationship yeah. that the the, the students establish in the architecture school this the mentor, what qualities of a mentor should the students have? What are the qualities?
1: They should they look for?
0: Yeah, they should for. They should.
1: I, I think I think the, the best teachers are not necessarily the ones who know a lot, but the ones who have the passion and the the humility to know when they are when they are focusing more on um opinion and viewpoint than they are in relationships. It's very difficult. It, 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 it's almost a, a moral sense of understanding integrity. Yeah, in us. It's yeah. a very difficult one. And I find that the, the best teachers are the ones who know when they do not know enough. Yeah. And when they do not know enough, they do not mislead their students, you see?
0: Yeah. But
1: there are many, many teachers out there. Um, and I think we know who they are. Uh, no names mentioned because we don't want your podcast to be, we don't want you to be, sued for libel. Yes, but, but they're the ones who um, ignorantly pretend to be teachers because they know a little and, and they try to make it to try to influence the students in a way which encourages subjectivity and encourages viewpoints. Because that's what subjectivity is all about. It's about yeah. opinion and viewpoints. You're entitled to yours, I entitled mine. No one's not right and no one's wrong. But that's the most stupid, ignorant way of actually Um, proselytizing, of actually uh, indoctrination rather than education. And most schools in the world practice indoctrination. University of Malaysia is no different. It indoctrinates based on opinion and everyone's opinion is right. And they they do not examine the relationships between the multiple viewpoints, the multiple uh, uh, opinions that any one issue is all about. Because that examination of relationships is what truly constitutes the highest level of education, which leads to epistemology rather than mere uh, strengthening of of a belief system, a narrow belief system based on opinion. And that's the biggest problem in of education system, not just, of course, in Malaysia, but around the world. The, 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 The most reputable institutions of higher learning also practice indoctrination. That's why you have so many famous architects there right now, uh, designing beautiful buildings that do not engage critical architecture.
0: It's back. To we current. can have another
1: talk about that one day, you know, just so that you know, I'm not trying to indoctrinate anyone.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> With uh, the, we, we always come back to uh, critical architecture, and um, as opposed
1: to beautiful buildings, yeah,
0: yeah. So, how do we teach students to be critical architects?
1: Well, I think th- this begins with with adoption of what we've discussed before, you know you and I, the French uh, high school system where where reading they the being literate is the most important thing of being educated above all. If you are not literate by the time you get to college, you have uh, you have um, you're already somewhat disadvantaged, somewhat handicapped. It can the shortfall can be can be uh, 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 um, uh, taken care of, of course, over the years. But being literate before you even enter college, before the age of 18, f- from the time you're six to the time you're 16 is one of the most important things in the world. Yeah. I think it builds the most powerful, the most strongest foundations for what is to come after, for your being able to build on it, you see? Yeah. Because without a good substructure, you can't lay a good foundation. Without a good foundation, you can't um, um, uh, build a good uh, belief system, a b- good belief structure, which is open, which, which, is, which is itself is open and and ability, and is able to to change and to evolve and to become even stronger as you get older. You see, and so being able to read um, in, in in high school in, in secondary school is absolutely vital. And I don't mean read rubbish from the internet, not reading sound bites and blurbs and silly comments on Facebook and social media, but reading books of critical worth, books by Maupassant and and um, and and um, and Neum Chomsky. And, and 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 philosophers, Chinese philosophers like Qian Su and, um, and um,
0: Ibn Hassan.
1: And uh, I'm I'm sorry, I have got so many names, yeah. I, I can't even um, think. Like
0: I don't, not the normal kid uh, existing. You all will read all that. If they were to read literature like To Kill a Mockingbird or
1: those. Yeah, yes, I yeah. mean, you start, you start, you start small, of course. Yeah. But you but you not disqualify. A teenager's ability to understand.
0: Yeah, we
1: underrate Alberts because we ourselves don't read so much, so we think that when you're young, you don't understand these things. It exactly. is completely false, you know. So you're right, but begin small. Harper Lee is fantastic. To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, uh, uh. uh, uh um. Oh God.
0: Those introduce liberal arts issues, like begins, moral um, and all this. Yeah, the, that sort of book like Harper. They Lee.
1: they introduce you to what how the world works. Yeah. How built on, 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 firstly, royal entitlement when the entire world were run by kings, queens, princesses, and princes, and all the others were just there to serve them. You had royal blood. Your blood made you special, so everyone bloody worshipped you. Well, the French Revolution was supposed to get rid of that, but it only really got replaced by economic entitlement. You're special because you have a lot of money. We're still living through that right now. That's why stupid people, uh, uh, iconized idiots like Elon Musk or Jack Ma and, and, and Steve jobs. Yeah. And then now that's be slowly being replaced by creative entitlement, which makes everyone believe everyone is special. Now, as long as you got creativity in you, that passion and the effort you put to realizing your passion is all that's important. And all that you do in, the, in under those terms of entitlement is forgivable. That's disgusting. That's as disgusting as having to believing you have special blood or a lot of special money, thinking your creativity forgives all your dirty mistakes, that's wrong. And we are living in an age of creative entitlement, which is is quite frankly uh, most frightening than the first two because the first two can be easily identified and criticized. It's very hard to identify and criticize creativity gone wrong, which is what I'm tempted to do in order to bring greater awareness to it. But of course when you do, you get shat on by the rest of the creative community. (laughs) But to hell with that, you know. I don't yeah. give a shit about my my crap or my reputation. <laughs> I feel that I'm old enough that I don't really care. But I mean there are people who who laugh at that, who say, Oh, you're stupid, but you know, I, I didn't get this old to to wonder whether I'm I'm being viewed as stupid or not. You know, I I mean I'm sure there are many people who uh, uh, try to understand who want to grow and learn. And and I'm not there. I'm out there to make mistakes, to still be learning as I as as I, I state as, as I state my what I believe is a balanced stand and not just an opinion, but an understanding of the relationships I've learned over the years, so that others who were my age 30 years ago will not make the same mistakes I've made. So that's basically it. Yeah.
0: I'm not sure to... if I asked
1: this question, yeah. but.
0: No, I, we're coming to the end anyway. So, um, okay. if you like to say anything else apart from that, um,
1: be... no, no, only that I, I appreciate your having, having taught with you over the last 10. 12 or 15 years you know Now you've been one of the um, one of the few really good teachers in UM. you have um, been very open to criticism you've been very open to criticize you've been very open to trying to understand and to build on your your, your belief structure is a very flexible uh, a good one and I think you you are open and, and, and honest enough to want to understand what it is that the world's about you know and I, I've appreciated that over the years yeah. And I think it's it's yeah. more important that we focus on the individual people that we know around us rather than trying to make a difference with the entire Facebook dirty bandwagon, you know? <laughs> so for me, this little podcast is more about you and, and 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 the relationship we've shared over the years rather than anyone who's listening in. Because um because at the end of the day, it's the people that we know that we speak to personally rather than the whole world we're trying to reach through our, our, our silly. Uh, social networks yeah, that's not what it should be about yes, and the I more we understand that the better people we can become yeah
0: i learned a lot from Just, you you know i appreciate so much
1: No, it's an interesting song you know it's uh, uh, written by that five for fighting fellow uh, what's his name john Andrasik. it's called slice have you have you heard the song slices it, it's about he it, it sings he was inspired by a uh, john mclean's a uh, 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 long ago hit called american pie yeah you know bye bye miss american yeah, pie. I know that well, and Jurassic sings the song called "Slice," and there's a line in it, you know, in in the second uh, fr- uh, stanza, I think, which goes, um, uh, um, "We will meet," something about "We will meet one day." You're just a click away, you know. Yeah. And 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 that that line just hits like a ton of bricks because that's what the internet has become, you know. Um, yes, you're a good friend, and you're a click away, and that's all. It, that's that's what yeah. life has become. It's a substance. Nothing personal anymore because the objective of everyone in social media is to known and be known by everyone else without developing any deeper kind of uh, moral relationship of integrity. You know that's sad, and I think it's back time, to, meaning. to have meanings in what we call relationships
0: and relationships.
1: Right. Okay. Instead of using instead of using social networks to build our silly, shallow reputations. <laughs> and that's but, it. Yeah. I hope this has been a good morning for you.
0: Yeah, this has been a good morning for you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Kevin.
1: <laughs> Take care, Anas. Really, it's been wonderful. Thanks. Good to see yeah. you. Happy and alive. Wait a
0: second, Kevin. I'm just going to stop the recording. Thank you, everyone, for listening.